Hi, I'm Kana. And I'm Amy. And welcome to DiplomacyGames.com. Yeah. Another. <laughs> did, you, did you hear that clunk, which was like my tinny against the microphone? Yeah, this is mine. Clunk. Oh, wait a sec. Yeah, it's better. I might just go with my fingers, right? Yeah, it's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another special coronavirus edition of um, getting together and getting shit-faced only online and talking yeah, about diplomacy. another coronavirus lockdown moment. Yep. Um, what are you drinking, Andy? Uh, well, it's been a little bit of a warm day today. A little bit of did a bit of gardening outside, so I'm onto the beers. I'm on my Young Henry's Newtowner Australian Pale Ale. Oh, lovely! I'm I'm on a um, I'm on a standard Queensland Forex bitter. Ah, good old Forex bitter. How is it? Bitter. Bitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. Yeah, no, it's it's hitting the spot, which is good. Excellent, excellent. And you're on holidays now, aren't you? I am, and I, 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 I prepared. Actually, I've got a big, I've got a whole heap of um, cartons of a variety of different drink in the um, in the garage, um, because I thought, oh well, you know, I better start. You know, I saw, I saw all the toilet paper disappearing off the roll, off the off the shelves, and I thought, well, logically, the next thing people are going to start hoarding is alcohol. So I went out and bought a whole heap of alcohol, and um, since then, bottle shops have been classed as essential <laughs> services in this country, so I don't have that to worry about. But I do have a doomsday drinking den, so I've just been. What's a doomsday drinking den? What do you mean? Well, it, 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 it's 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 a location where I have lots of alcohol just sitting there just ah. to be drunk. So gotcha, that, gotcha. Yeah, it's kind of like day. my my cellar for my wine, which is really the cupboard under the stairs, like Harry Potter style. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, for the for the um, for the occasional, you know, where you have to stay at home and not go outside. I'm a bugger that, and I'm not doing that without alcohol. Yep. So you don't hang out in the drinking den and drink, do you? That's just where the drinks are kept. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you look a bit weird <laughs> hiding in this little den like golem or something like that, <laughs> getting <laughs> smashed and clattered. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Kane is going, Gator, where are you? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Holding your holding your beer, my precious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my apocalyptic alcohol hoard. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Oh you oh you're not on you're not on holidays though, are you? You're working no, from home. No, working from home. Yeah, I think one problem I'm finding at the moment is working from home is you work even more than when you're at work. See I yeah, really? Yeah, absolutely. Like normally, I, normally at work I'd turn up about nine and I'd finish about five five thirty. Now I'm kind of turning thirty. I'm not finishing till about six six thirty. Sometimes later than that as well. Still finding enough time for yourself? Well, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I did actually NMR in a, in a game um, today though, which is no excuse. Since it's the Easter long weekend, but. Um, but generally, I'm kind of. I suppose it would be a different story if I was in lots and lots of games. I'd probably find it a bit difficult then. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's not really affecting your diplomacy. No, no, it's, it's not. I actually, I must admit, I kind of went in with this expectation of uh, because everyone is. I, I don't know. Maybe I went in with false expectations that uh, working from home was going to be nice and cruisy, 
and I would have probably excess time and I might be able to do some, you know, variant development, but it's been the exact opposite. So how's that? Like people have been monitoring you more or you've been actually... No, just the workflow. The, sorry, the amount of workload's incredible. Um, and on top of that, I've... Yeah, without going into details about my job and everything like that, I've kind of, you know, taken, taken a bit of a, a leadership role on something which nobody thought about doing and then everyone's going oh that's a good idea and then I do some more of it and they go oh that's a good idea so yeah I've kind of created my own demand for my services which you know at the end of the day we're, we're helping our customers and that's what works out best so let's just leave it at that brilliant okay <laughs> great <laughs> being suitably vague there <laughs> yeah I, I, I'm kind of dreading it myself like you know, I'll be in a position where I have to be managing people online and remotely, and I just, I'm not sure I've got the trust with half of them, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> well, I've met half of them, haven't I, at Diplomacy Games, and I don't know if I can trust any of them. No, 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 those ones I could probably trust. No, it's a couple of other, other ones, yeah, yeah, anyway. Um, well, I'm, I'm in a similar situation because I manage a team of about 25 people and we're all working from home. Yeah, so, so. Um, And I, I understand where you're coming from. Some people I have absolute full confidence in. Others, at the moment, I'm making sure that if I'm uh, not quite sure, I'm, I'm loading them up with as much work as possible to make sure that they're busy. Yeah, that's 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 the uh, that's the concern there, Amby. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. We, we we've digressed well and truly past the whole diplomacy thing. Um, yes. But but on your on your holidays, seeing that you are locked up at home with just you know checking out your doomsday cellar. Um, mm. What else have you been up to diplomacy-wise? Because you did send through to me the other day a, a text message with a, a photo that you'd completed now your uh, your whiteboard diplomacy. Oh, yeah. No, this is this is a great idea from um, uh, the diplomacy briefing that came mm-hmm. through. Um, from Humble the Heap? Yep. Here's um, one there. So let me see if I can pull it up. Um, basically... Uh, there was a guy who um, had this great idea of basically putting a diplomacy map on one of those little whiteboards that you can get mm. and then making little magnet pieces for the, all your fleets and armies so that you can just move it around on the whiteboard at diplomacy games when you when you're face-to-face with people instead of having to go through all of those maps Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, How big is yours, though? Look from the photo, it's like a, I don't know, about, it's quite big, isn't it? No, it's it's literally the size of a normal map. Like, like, oh, okay, normal board. Yeah, Yeah, of the board. So, and those pieces are made to size. So, Mm -hmm. I thought that is a wonderful idea. What an awesome, (laughs) awesome, awesome concept. And I just went ahead and did it, made it. and then you colour all the white dot the white things, didn't you, and turn them into all the right colours? Or um, yeah, I just I, I cut out like little um, fleets mm-hmm. and armies of squares, and using a little hole punch, I punched out a whole heap of supply centres, which are circles. Oh yeah, that's clever. Yeah. So I'll um I'll probably put the photo you sent through to me up on the website so people can have a look at it and understand what we're talking about. Because yeah. last time I think you mentioned it in the in the last time we caught up, but um it was just at that stage all the all the units were all white, so it didn't kind of make sense. But I think now looking at the current photo, it looks a lot better. 
yeah, I'm just trying to find who it was because I want to shout out to the to the person who came up with the idea originally in the first place because um, it wasn't too long ago. So I'm just pulling up the diplomacy briefings now. What did you do to make the colours for them? Oh, I just spray painted it. Oh, spray paint. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, nothing, nothing spectacular about that. Um, no, I'll find it. It's, it's worth a charm. Um, do you want to just pause it, and I'll just yeah, sure. Wait a sec. So you couldn't find it? No, but it's there. I'm sure it's there. I'm just being a klutz. I can't find it. No, that's cool. But so, yeah. We were just saying before, whilst we were, uh, whilst you were looking for that, we we need some music. Yeah. So, uh, last time around, you did a bit of um, bit of Johnny Cash. I'm going to channel my inner '90s child. I've got a. Um, uh, this is a a DJ called DJ Luter One. I recommend listening to him on Vimeo rather than YouTube because on YouTube they kind of edit out some of the, the songs because of copyright, alleged copyright infringement. So I'll play a bit of this. But it's, it's some good 90s crappy music. So you don't mind that? I don't mind it. Oh, okay. You know what? I think it might have been Conrad... Um, Conway, Conrad Woodring's idea. Oh, okay. And the reason I'm saying that is I'm looking at the most recent diplomacy briefing... And the um, the Corona Con, who Conrad won just recently, um, so it's, it's a virtual tournament that was played. And I'm just looking at a photo of his workstation, and he's got a little magnet board there. So I reckon it might have been him. Cool. Oh, there's my dog barking. <laughs> you don't get that at the pub, do you? <laughs> Can you hear the music all right or not? Be quiet. Yeah, I don't want to make it too loud to be yeah. known. Bit loud. Too loud. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, so I just went down one different knob down. Cool. Um, yeah, so actually, I think it's too loud. I'm going to turn one more down. Yeah, turn it. Yeah. There we go. So, um,. Probably well, too louder on your side than it is on my side. So you can turn it down a bit if you like. That's all right. So, well, it's not too loud your side? No. Okay, cool, cool. Um, anyway, so well done there. Anything else you're doing as part of your uh, holidays at the moment, diplomacy related or apart from going down the pub all the time? Well, not pub, the bottle shop? Well, um, in relation to... Um, our conversation with the interviewers that were just uh, our interview to be played. Mm-hmm. I um, I stitched oh, together God. all of the turns from the Ununited States game of yours, Ambie, that you won. Yay! Very well done, and I really like this video. Kenny did an awesome job. Well, I'll uh, cr- create a link to it in the show notes. I've got I've got one more thing to add to it, and that's um, music because I'm told that um, it's the 1812 overture is the sound of the music you were listening to as you were putting in your um, your orders. Yes, yes, it was um, 1812 overture up until the point that I started getting cocky, thinking I might win, and then I started playing uh, Little River Bands playing to win. Yep. 
Uh, and then I started going backwards. I remember, remember once I started with that, that very superstitious episode when I said, like, after I started playing that, all of a sudden I started doing badly, went back to my 1812 overture and then fuck this and then went back to it again. And, yes, so anyway, I played a bit of it. But, yeah, I think 1812 overture would be good music to play to it, especially as you get to that crescendo at the end, you know, with okay. cannons and, and everything. Yeah, <laughs> I'll find a good I'll find a good spot in it and uh, and then stitch it in. Cool. But the um the the, the one that, that the link you've got now hasn't got the music on it. No, 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 no. And actually, looking back at this video, the one thing I found quite interesting, which I totally forgot about, was how um, at one stage I actually lost because I was playing as New York, and I actually totally lost New York. <laughs> like I actually lost my home, my home state. Yeah, that's right. You did. Yep, I'm right there. Yeah, no, totally gone. Purple swamped it. Yeah. So um, we migrated to the west and then reinvaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, one thing I must admit, and this is this is really funny, and I didn't actually we talk didn't talk about this on the interview, but I actually personally took a lot of um, what would you call it? I, 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 gratitude, not gratitude. Fuck, that's the wrong word. I just felt really good when I had actually managed to cannibalise and take over somebody's state, you know, and, and they'd basically been forced to move elsewhere. So, like, when eventually I ended up um, destroying Kentucky, like, and owning all of Kentucky, I thought that was really, really cool at that point. The same thing with, with Florida, just actually owning Florida. So, anyway, that's probably neither here nor there. It was just a bizarre thing at the time but that kind of kept me entertained. Yeah, I imagine you feel pretty chuffed about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um... So, do you want, should we do the interview thingy now? Yeah, I think. Yeah, bring it out. Put it at the front. Yep. So, uh, this is an interview that uh, Kayra and I did with uh, Kev Dog8, who was playing Kentucky, uh, Rand Johnson, who was playing Florida, and also Dr. Recommended, who was Montana. Uh, the other player who survived was uh, Ingibot, who was playing Hawaii. We, uh, we did invite uh, Ingibot on to be part of the interview and he was like no that's cool i don't really want to be part of that that's okay and he he did provide some post-game analysis which we can link through to in the show notes um as part of the wrap-up but um yeah shall we throw over to that one car yeah let's put it on go kev dog ran johnson and doctor recommended uh welcome to the show and thank you for joining us to talk around the divided states game that we've just finished up recently been battling over for almost two years welcome thanks for having us on yeah thank you yeah thanks for having us so this is uh we, we haven't actually probably done caner an interview with three people at once except for maybe the very first episode very first recording we did which was like the web championship from 2012 or something which went for four years so i think this is a seeming um a, a monumental massive game and I've got to say, as, as a, um, a combatant in it, it was an absolute uh, joy to play uh, with you all, um, sometimes with you, sometimes against you, but that's the way that the game tends to, to operate. Um, so I'm, I'm really just keen to kind of start exploring how you felt the game went and, um, and really just to kind of get an idea about how did this game compare to, you know, another run-of-the-mill ordinary game was it any different in any way or was it just the magnitude that was different i don't want to put words in your mouth just someone take it away oh and maybe if you kind of say who you are when you're speaking so we don't get all confused (laughs) the listener doesn't 
You should draw straws. Draw straws. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how about how about instead we kind of kick things off with um, Kentucky? So, uh, Kev Dog, you and I for a long period around the mid game were allies. Uh, I don't know if you kind of recall that for, for a period yep. of time. And, and then things started to, to change. Um, and I think from memory I stabbed you. Was that right? You did. Yeah, I um, so. Yeah, and I'm very thankful to you for keeping me alive for that long because I know the Great Lakes region is a very hard one to defend in that game, and I didn't really keep many uh, many units in the area. So I was very <laughs> – definitely could have ended a lot sooner for me if you had attacked earlier. Yes, and uh, I mean looking at the maps at various points of time, you actually – did have a number of units up there where I, I didn't. So I think the fact that we obviously reached an accommodation made it yeah. handy. Um, I'm just trying to actually recall the reason that I kind of stabbed you at the time. I think it was to do with the fact that I was hoping that you were going to start attacking more towards the, the west and and you just weren't. And maybe you started support holding Hawaii at some point or something like that, which made me get a bit pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I it was at that time I thought, okay, now it's now or never, and I kind of worked out that you had a bit of an opening that I could probably move into. So, did you see? It yeah, coming? like twenty sixty eight was the year that you attacked me around that time. Yeah, I kind of at that time I had made a you know I had started holding Hawaii and Hawaii had started holding me, and we were working together against Montana. So, looks like you probably were encouraging me to go west more and. I really was still worried about possible solo from the east, and you know, which obviously did become a reality. So, um, totally makes sense on both sides. Yeah, so uh, that was obviously a, a, a certain pivotal t- uh, turning point. Another one I think that just kept going back and forth uh, was yourself ran in Florida and about our on again, off again <coughs> relationship. Where you know, at one stage we were well, actually for quite a long period of time we were fighting when you were allied with uh, was it South Carolina or North Carolina? I think it was South Carolina. North North Carolina. Oh, North, okay. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, and, and at some point in time, he then started collapsing and I started coming down the Atlantic. Um, yeah. And up till then, you'd been a, a real dominant force there. Um, so what was your what was your take on, on what happened to, you know, North Carolina when he started going and, and I was heading down south and Kentucky, I think, was also attacking you at the time, wasn't he? Yeah. I was slowly under a bit of pressure there. Um, North Carolina was doing well for a while and then he slowly started letting you slip through the Atlantic. He uh, made a few moves that allowed you to get in behind his line, and once he slowly started falling, I realized there was no hope in keeping him alive or helping him. Um, So I moved in to try and take some of his centers as well, but you had just too much of a powerful force coming down the Atlantic, and I could not stop you. And then when Hawaii stabbed me as well, that was utter chaos. (laughs) And that was that was when things started getting interesting because I think that's when I started um, sending you support holds and just laying off you, wasn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> and you allowed me to throw everything back at Hawaii and teach him a lesson. Yeah, that's right. And then um, I think that's when I stabbed you again. <laughs> yep. And then I threw everything back at him, and Hawaii started throwing me support holds. Yep. It was just and back and forth again, and then he started attacking you again, yep. didn't he? Yep. 
Yeah, it was like you were constantly having to move your forces from one end of the country to the other. <laughs> I know, because I, I didn't, I didn't have enough to keep them all around me, so it was just one or the other. Uh huh. Um, but eventually, I kind of thought, okay, good. It's good to see you guys in, in having perpetual fighting, and I just laid off you for quite a long while. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I think at one stage, then I started having like you know, clearly I could have taken more supply centers, but I'd just sneakily move in and just take one. Um, yeah, and then I'd wait another year, and I'd take another one, and then I'd slowly turn you into Swiss cheese. <laughs> moving yeah, across. I mean, I knew you were setting yourself up to take all the centers, but if there wasn't much else I could do, if I pulled everything from Hawaii to stop you, then I knew Hawaii was just gonna steamroll over me. And the fact you were keeping me alive longer was the option I went with. Oh, good, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I suppose the, relating to all that was there was lots of stuff also going on in the north with uh, Montana. Uh, so uh, doctor recommended you you and I were um, also at one point of time, I think, fighting it out, but then things got all peaceful and I started sending you love and then you started getting smashed, I think, by Hawaii as well around that same time. I mean, basically, I was just trying to work on the basis that you guys would see Hawaii as more of a threat than me. Well, I've been seeing you as a threat for for longer. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily look like it on the map, just size wise. But you have a lot of tight centers in the the east, and um, I knew I wouldn't be able to to hold on if Hawaii jumped in. That's what I was worried about, and of course, that's what happened. I for uh, a long time, I went back through uh, the game a bit this morning and i mean really going back to like the 2040s i was wanting to get up to the great lakes and was hoping to kind of hold things there i'd been hoping for a long time that you and i would end up finding some peace and then working south together i kept waiting for you and kentucky to one to stab the other it just didn't happen at least not not nearly early enough for me mm-hmm. um I thought I had you walled off. I thought uh, I might be able to secure a place in a draw, but then that Hawaii stab came, and I couldn't hold on more than a few years. And then finally I decided to throw myself to Hawaii and completely abandoned my border with you. So, and that's, that's when I started doing the Swiss cheese thing to you too, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like... Obviously, when that was all happening, you guys must have both been thinking, oh, well, he's just going to slowly eat me up at the right time. But that's that's the case. But it was the case that you also went, oh, well, Hawaii is the, the main one that you've been throwing so much against because he stabbed you. And I mean, what was your, what was your thinking? At any point of time, did you think, oh, no, bugger this, I'm going to turn around and, and attack New York or try to defend myself? What was your thinking, Doc? I think by that time, I mean, by the time, uh, there's a, a couple years where I had to do a bunch of disbands. I disbanded along my border with you, um, uh, hoping to sound an alarm for Hawaii to lay off. And, uh, um, you know, I figured once you moved into me, you were really a, a serious solo threat, but uh, attacks kept happening. But from Kentucky, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I figured uh, if I was going to go out, I was going to make some noise and go down swinging against Hawaii. And once we got down to my last center, where I sat for probably the last six months or so, um, 
I figured the only reason that you might have to keep me alive was, you know, just partially a, a, a thanks for uh, my help and, and letting you move in. And if you could solo without taking me, maybe you would, which came close to happening. Um, or failing that, maybe uh, if you couldn't solo, I'd, I'd hang on into a draw. But I would have done the same thing you did. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll admit it wasn't actually like I was being a vindictive bastard. Um, it actually came from a conversation that, that Kana and I had off tape where I I think it was basically I, I kind of said that, look, I was going to leave you there and try to go for the 140, uh, but leaving you in the game so that you got to survive because I think you deserved it and you were a great ally. But um, And then it was Kana's fault because he kind of said, well, actually... If you take that on the final, sorry, in, in August, sorry, not August, autumn, so the fall, uh, it basically would mean that the the way things are happening with the build phase or whatever like that, he would still have no units technically, but it would be counting towards still surviving, even though he's on zero SC. And I went, okay, well that's interesting because I was keen to try to make sure that you your your rank your rating or ranking wasn't impacted too much by being eliminated. Um, so. And apparently, obviously, that advice was wrong, as you, as you did technically get eliminated. So that was—I probably would have given you the same advice. I thought that I thought that's what would have happened. Yeah. So, I, so uh, it wasn't intentional, but I mean, I, I also thought around. Well, do I take that risk? But I was also worried at the time because of my final set of moves uh, when I kind of just went all out on on Florida. Um, I was really wasn't quite sure if I was going to pick up exactly the number down there to get to 140 so i thought i'd just better take you out just in case seeing i thought that you would still be technically surviving well even if you didn't if you're that close to the solo then yeah you do everything you can to get it so no no hard feelings i understand oh yeah 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 just i wasn't i was at no stage sorry it took a while for me to get to the point that i actually thought no i could actually possibly solo this because and uh, and Kainer again, you can jump in at any stage because I've been bloody boring him to death for months, <laughs> if not years now on this particular game. Um, and quite a long while. I, I It wasn't until probably uh, when Kainer, probably only around about a month or more before the game finished that I kind of went, yes, actually, I think I can get to there. Um, yeah, so it was you, you were slowly building up to it. You had hopes, you had high hopes to solo it for a long while, but... Um, yeah, I don't think it was until the last maybe five or six turns where you could see a clear pathway to, to getting the solo. And and it all came down to, realistically, Rand's help, I think, supporting me into DYB, which is like this insignificant territory in, what, Tennessee <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but in getting into that, it basically allowed me just to start, you know, tactically cracking open all that area that, um, that KevDog had in his... Uh, eastern part of of Kentucky. So anyway, that was just my my thoughts on on when I thought that was possible. Um, obviously, again, we've been talking about this game on the on the podcast for quite a long while now, and I, and I did touch on this in the last recording that we did, where I kind of worked out that basically I'd been talking about things where anyone could pretty much work out that I, who I was, and I was New York, even though this was an anonymous game. So I then started changing things and talking about, uh, basically I was imagining myself uh, standing in your shoes, Kev Dog, uh, that in fact that I was 
playing as Kentucky and I was kind of talking like I was playing as Kentucky. Did any of you guys listen to the recordings during the game and did you use any of that from a, an advantage perspective? I, I, I personally, uh, I am still several episodes behind, so I was listening to you know, you're talking about scenarios that had happened a, a few months prior. Um, so I was never quite current with the the podcast episodes along with the game. And the other guys? Um, I actually didn't even know about the podcast uh, until after the game had ended. And you mentioned it, and I actually went back through and started listening to some of the later ones and found it super intriguing. Cool. Oh. And uh, CaveDog? Yeah, same here. I didn't know much about it, but I just listened when I saw some of the posts in the in the forum, listened to the most recent one and caught the bit about this game after this had all ended. Okay, cool. No, that's fine. So <laughs> I didn't give away any strategic advantage at all, so I could have kept talking about putting the video. <laughs> um, so how, how, how do you... Oh, sorry, you go, Kana? Yeah, yeah. I just want to... I just want you guys to zoom in onto spring 2078, um, because there was a period here where Ambi and I were talking and he was actually really quite concerned about what was happening in that particular moment. And looking at the board, it looked at that time that Hawaii was inviting um, Kentucky, Kevdog, you into his supply centres. I remember this, yep. And we were having a quite lengthy discussion that maybe Hawaii was um, deciding to throw his supply centres to Kentucky in order to give Kentucky the win to force a draw. Um, that was my reading of it at the time. And then following that, Kev Dog, you, you guys just sort of made peace and nothing further happened from that. I was just wondering how those exchanges of supply centres took place and... Um, was there any consideration as to taking more of those supply centres to force a draw earlier? I mean, yeah, I think if you look back at the moves, it took me a couple of turns to realise that they were that uh, Hawaii was inviting me in. And then when I realised it, I took what they offered, but I didn't take any more to force a draw because one of the things I was thinking about was I was cognizant of how the border with New York was totally, you know, clogged with my units anyway it wasn't like another build really would have helped all that much so i could have forced the draw would have been useful but the unit wasn't helping me so i didn't launch an all-out attack on hawaii because i needed their help with with new york in the southeast so i, I guess one of those things maybe could have yeah. developed more if we had actual diplomacy during the game <laughs> but it being gunboat you know not an option we had yeah difficult um yeah, I, I was. I know. I know. It was one of the things that Ambi and I spoke off tape about was we essentially this um, potential of Hawaii throwing the game to you. Um, Ambi, do you want to talk to that? Yeah, I, I'm actually even sure. I think we may have briefly actually recorded that as a proper part of an episode, and I edited it out. Uh, because I was thinking, particularly if, if um, Hawaii was listening to the show, um, he may just go, oh, shit, 
didn't think of that. That's a great idea. <laughs> and just pull all of his stuff totally back because, honestly, from my perspective, and, and you know, Kara and I talked around this, if, if that had occurred, uh, it was clearly then heading towards uh, Kentucky being in a superior position and potentially soloing the game. Um, and that obviously was what we were thinking, which to then kind of forced me to, to the draw. Because the other thing that you guys probably weren't aware of, um, actually Dr. Recommended might know, is that um, obviously Kana being a, a moderator on VDIP, he had uh, access to seeing who had put in draw commands and basically all of you guys had put in draws except for me. So um, it was basically up to me to kind of finalise the game and honestly, if I think if, if uh, Hawaii had literally let Kentucky in, to just cannibalise him, it would have brought me to the table to draw. So it was probably a, a an opportunity missed from uh, Hawaii. Yeah, I, I did spend a lot of time thinking about whether to cast my draw vote, and I eventually did, and of course it did nothing. <laughs> so it kind of... <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, looking back at the game now, I mean... Was there anything in particular that uh, each of you would change or think about changing with the way uh, it went? Like, would you change any of your strategy or tactics at all to try to um, flip it a different way? I might actually ask Kana first, seeing he got eliminated first, and then that gives you guys a chance to think about that. <laughs> oh, right. I have to go right all the way back to the very start of the game yeah, to see. Go back to 2022 or whenever it was when you died. Uh, um. <laughs> Okay. You've become quite proficient in, in big maps now, haven't you, Kana? So you've probably actually got quite a few learnings that you would maybe change. Uh, not really. I think I was just eliminated straight up. There was not much I could do, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think I went out to sea too early, but that's mm-hmm. what I can really say to that topic. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe throwing all of my units in one direction and hope that no one's deciding to attack me and just potluck from that as opposed to kind of splitting my directions. I think that's my takeaway from this game. Well, I mean, all divided states and games, let's be honest, and I'm sure everybody, if I can digress for a second, please jump in. I think you find that with so many players and just the proximity to everybody else, it's kind of like playing crowded. You know, you're pretty much guaranteed to be finding someone very, very soon. And, um, and from that perspective... You may throw your, you know, all your forces north and, and end up being then attacked from the south simultaneously at the same time. So, it is very very hard in those early years. So, um, getting back to probably the the original question, if I can just go around the the, the, the board, so to speak, um, Kev, do you want to talk a little bit around how you may or may not have changed your gameplay in hindsight? Yeah, one of the things for me was. Even especially at the end, I was the only central power, right? So I had a border with pretty much everyone. And thinking about that was the way it was for the whole game is Kentucky. Even as I grew, I never really had fleets. (laughs) I was just, you know, there were always I was always bordered, you know, by by powers on all sides. So I think that kind of affected my strategy and how I didn't. Once we reached the mid game and I was quite large, I didn't too many stabs. I just, I, I, I saw our piece with New York and I kept it going because 
I very much felt like I, I had to, if there were two or more people fighting me, I was just going to collapse like a lot of the other interior powers did. So I kind of honored the temporary alliances you can make in a gunboat game. And I think that was important and it's what got me this far. But, you know, looking back at some of the things I did well earlier in the game, I did a lot of stabs. So maybe I should have been a little bit quicker to attack, like you said, um, to attack New York first before you attacked me. And then if I had done that, maybe I could have used some of those units in like Minnesota that you were mentioning, maybe sent them at you and then had a little bit more success before you had come back and stabbed me. <laughs> Cause that was a turning point in my game that really took me. Yep. Um, how about you doc? Um, I'm not sure how much I would have changed. I was pretty happy with uh, how things unfolded initially. I had good alliances with Wyoming and Idaho. Um, I think, uh, I mean, in hindsight, if I knew that Hawaii would stab late, if I knew that Kentucky would be so relentless and and attacking me uh, for all those years and that it would take so long before new york and kentucky to come into conflict i probably would have thrown more units there but i mean that would have just cost me on my other front um i think way back in uh maybe early 2040s is the first time ambi that i tried throwing some support to you trying to signal that i was wanting some peace there um in hindsight, maybe I, I should have kept trying to push. I think there's even a point where I, I fell back from our line, um, hoping for peace, but you, you kind of plowed in, and that is the point where I just set up a, um, support holds and, and held for a while. Um, I think, uh, I mean, anything that I might have done differently would have had another consequence. Um, so I think ultimately I did the best I could with what I had. Okay, cool. And uh, Ran, how about yourself from Florida's perspective? How would you have potentially changed things in hindsight? Um, I made somewhat of a mistake where when I was fighting Texas, uh, Hawaii was fighting Texas as well, and I got a little greedy, and I decided to attack Hawaii as well. And I didn't push fast enough to try and get through the Panama Canal, and because of that, I was unable to put any fleets into the Pacific, and it just caused a lockdown uh, with Hawaii. And after that point, then Hawaii started throwing fleets back in to the Panama Canal and just started slowly eating away at me. Yeah. Um, Andy, you had, a, you had a similar situation in your north up um, around Alaska, um, you're trying to get your fleets um, into the Pacific there, uh, 2050s, I think. Oh, for quite a lot. I mean, I managed to kind of get a, uh, into a good chunk of uh, Alaska at one point of time. Um, but then, I suppose, once once peace had been reached between um, Hawaii and Kentucky, he was really able to uh, move his units up and start kicking me out of there. But, yeah, that that bottleneck area um, around the, the Bering Straits and, and um, the Northwest Passage, I think, was, was really quite tight and very hard to, to break into. Um, so, I mean, being a gunboat game, this was something, I suppose, where with, with if, if we had normal communications and messaging, you'd probably the result would have been very, very difficult, different because I'd expect that... Um, the ability to respond and coalesce and block me, I think, would have been a lot stronger. What are you? What are you, your thoughts, guys? 
how would, would um, if this was an actual full press game, would it have changed things? You reckon it would have just come to the draw? I think so. Um, yeah, I would think, I think so. Things I would have pushed for would have been with Florida because we had a very short border for a long time, and we had there was like some attacks, but nothing major. And I definitely, you know, in a regular game, I would have reached out and tried to, you know, have him as a nat- another nat- natural ally on the right, so I could work more to the west. And um, but you know, and the way it worked out. Um, our border became a longer one and Florida got a jump on attacking me first, which allowed him to kind of set up that stalemate line, which was effective in the far end of the game when I couldn't break into Florida any further. And New York kind of had free reign at taking as much of Florida as they wanted. So if I had, you know, if we had peace there, it would have been a lot more interesting to setting up a stalemate line at the end. That's cool. Um, and I, the other thing, of course, is look, we, we did get to the point where, you know, the game ended and, I think in hindsight, you know, we did, all of us did pretty well actually with when it came to the scoring elements of that, didn't we? So did everyone got a bit of a, a bump exception? I think, Ran, you may have just gone down slightly. Yeah, I lost uh, 11 V points. Yeah. But um, yeah, when it came to V, v points, um, Kevdog, you went up. Um, what about you, Doc? I'm trying to remember. Did you get anything much at all? That actually wouldn't make much difference because you did get eliminated, didn't you? Yeah, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I did. Kevdog <laughs> um, and Ingabot got uh, probably the equivalent of a, a nice win on a smaller map out of it just for a survive, which is pretty impressive. But what did you get, Ambi? 700? 760. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I kind of, as, as in the most recent episode we were talking about, and I, I uh, kind of... As, has been um, hearing me talking about well whether this would kind of take me to the top of the the VDIP rankings and no it didn't so um, he's, he's very he's very happy about that because um, <laughs> he doesn't like to see me becoming too obsessed with with ranking and, and things like that yeah well right, this right. ought to keep you in the Hall of Fame for a while yeah that's right yeah yeah I just got to do like um, uh, what Cypeg does and just like turn up every six months or so isn't it and just play one game. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, I'm I'm still in about two games actively in VDIP, so and and one of those I think is eh, well, actually I think both will probably go for a bit longer, so that's all that's all fine. Um, so with regards to the divided states map as as a whole, uh, presumably you guys have, have played it on a number of other games as well. What are, what are your thoughts around it in the way that it's been designed by Technostar? What are the what things of it do you like and which things what things don't you like within the map? Um, I, I love the map. I've probably played, I don't know, six or eight games, um, press and, and gunboat, and I've just really enjoyed them all. Um, I mean, it starts as just such a mess. Like, you just you compared it to Crowded, and um, there are just so many stages of the game, and, you know, everything is affected by something happening two or three states over. Um, it's just fun to watch that play out. Uh, it's really difficult to really set up solid stalemate lines uh, until much later in the game. Um I haven't played it enough to kind of have all the perspective. It seems like I keep drawing uh, like West Coast and Northwest states. I've been 
California and Oregon and Washington and Montana and Wyoming. I haven't really had uh, any games on the on the East yet. Um, but what I've learned so far, I, I really enjoyed the map. It's well done. Cool. Um, Kev Dog, Rand, what are your thoughts? I really like the map. Um, I think the idea behind it, having all the states just in pure chaos, is a really intriguing idea. Um, the map design is uh, as a whole, I think, is extremely well. Now, some of the corner uh, states obviously have somewhat of an advantage, like Florida and Hawaii, but um, overall, I think the map's great. It was certainly interesting playing it as Kentucky. I've seen a couple of other Kentuckys have success on the map because it is surrounded by a lot of other states, but there aren't really, there's no one that's like set up to have a direct attack on your border. So it does help you get started early on. It's just interesting how you really have to play the game as the map as every state to get a real sense for it, but it's a great map and I've played, you know, five or six times as well. I think it's the second time I've made it to the draw now. So <laughs> really enjoy it. How, how did you guys find the sea lanes um, on this particular map? Is it intuitive or did it take a little bit of while to get used to them? If you're, I know Kentucky, you, you never quite made it to um, the oceans, but this is more for Florida. Um, oh, man, Montana, were you were you out in the, at the ocean? I'm not sure. Out in the Great Lakes. Uh, Great yeah, Lakes. I was never really out to sea, but I have played... <clears throat> I have played uh, other games on the map where I've been in them a lot. Um, I love the sea lanes. I think they're, it took me a little while to get used to them when they appeared on the, the world war four map. Um, but now they're, they're second nature. Uh, I think on this map, it would be interesting to have a little more access like Panama canal and Northwest passage. Um, maybe just another access point to make it that much tougher to, block people in one side or the other but uh just as a general function i think the sea lanes are excellent the the other the other idea i was um i've, I've been tossing up with with just thinking about the map um we have this big river system that runs through the continent and i hardly ever see fleets using that mm. um route um I'm wondering if if it was possible to convoy on rivers, whether or not that would make things a bit more interesting fleet-wise from a central power point of view. Yeah, potentially. Um, I mean, yeah, the only fleet I made during the entire game was turning my Gary Indiana army into a fleet, kind of just for the <laughs> just for the sake of having a Kentucky fleet, right? But um, I think, yeah, if we could convoy or something, it would have made it a little bit more useful because at their current state, the rivers really aren't all that useful, right? Why would you make a fleet as Kentucky when an army would go there as well? Yeah. And, and from a from a foreigner's perspective, I'm still, you know, figuring out which states are which and, you know, which colours actually what, what, who's playing what. Um, you guys are obviously much more familiar with the geography of the United States. Um, the geography of the map, I'm assuming, is, you know, fairly accurate, like the connections are logical and um, 
it gives room for uh, you guys to sort of go, oh, yeah, I, I know that particular region. I'm wondering if that's um, so. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've traveled extensively around the U.S. Um, I'm familiar with, with a lot of the, the areas. It's fun seeing uh, little town names. Um, you know, my own town in Bend, Oregon is is right there in the in the middle of Oregon. It's fun kind of going through. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as the geography goes and, and how things flow, I mean it doesn't have uh, it doesn't have the Rocky Mountains. You mentioned the river system, the Mississippi. Uh, I mean the Great Lakes certainly come into play, but um, you know, generally the geographic features don't don't come into it much on this map, but it's just as far as the the states and, and regions of the states, uh, I think they're pretty well represented. Talking about the states, oh, sorry, actually, do, you, do you other guys want to have a comment on that at all? Uh, I think everything in the map, uh, state-wise, is great. It, like uh, said earlier, it's really cool seeing like the cities and towns you're familiar with um, on the map. Plus, it makes it a lot easier sometimes with orders, being able to visualize stuff a lot easier. Yeah, I'd say the same. Um, the only things, of course, would be that you know that some of the changes they made to you know making Alaska and Hawaii a bit closer, um, you know, and adding making the Northwest Passage somewhat realistic for gameplay's sake, which you know make the map quite playable and is quite nice, but aren't too realistic. As far as the Continental Forty Eight, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Okay, um, so if you guys have got the archive of the maps, if you can just go back to the very, very, very first, um, I suppose, map. So when the game loads up and you have your original positions and there's the first opening moves. So if you've got that there, um, obviously Texas, I know Texas, immediately north of Texas is Oklahoma. What is the name of the state that is immediately to the east of Oklahoma? And Texas, and also above Louisiana. <laughs> I heard this on the podcast. Too bad it doesn't have a panhandle. <laughs> That's Arkansas. Arkansas. Yep, Arkansas. And they were actually a significant player in my game. I, for a while, I thought they might eliminate me pretty early on, but they didn't really pursue eliminating me, which was useful. <laughs> And Kana, do you have a question around the the naming or pronunciation of that um, state? Uh, I'd love to know why it's pronounced Arkansas when it's spelled Arkansas. <laughs> I can't answer that one. Uh, supposedly, they're actually not the same like name, even though they look the same. Apparently, it's based off like two different Indian tribes, and that's just how they were pronounced. Oh, okay. Well, learn something new. I believe. Today. Don't don't quote me on that, but I believe it's something with that. Um, well, while we're looking at these early maps, um, just imagine for you know, imagination's sake, that the game is still in the early phases. Let's say if we jump forward, uh, no, four five maps to say uh, spring twenty twenty five. Is there any countries that jump out as or any of the players on that map that jump out as you know a bet that you would have put money on at that stage as being you know in the in the final four or five 
I can say, Kaner, wow, you did have an early exit. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, gone. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, Minnesota looks strong, and I I remember they were around for a while. They did pretty well. Um, Oh, that's a purple one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I thought the same thing. Um, Yeah, and I know Alaska was around for a while. They were they were around uh, maybe in the last dozen or so. You know they look fine. The corner power, as mentioned earlier, has has a bit of an advantage to start. But um, yeah, for me, it uh, I, I skipped through every few years or so earlier, jotted down some notes, and really for me, um, around late twenty thirties, early twenty forties is. Uh, was where that this initial early game was done, and we were down to twelve or fifteen or so. Um, it's hard to tell just looking at it too. It you know you can't really judge how many centers someone has by how big their their color patch is on the map. Did um did any of you guys feel at any stage you you got a real lucky break? Um, so I'll give you an example for me. I was actually getting my ass handed to me by Massachusetts in um, twenty thirty four, and then I don't know why, but he then didn't submit orders in spring two thousand thirty seven, and I managed to you know walk into about three or four vacant supply centres, which I didn't obviously know that they were going to be. Um, uh, non-contested and then for a number of years he just kept turning up and not submitting orders so like he effectively nmr but never cd'd so no one ever took over his position to start fighting me back and that obviously gave me a, a big uh hand up and and made things a lot easier in trying to um, contain that that northeast corner of of the map did any of you guys feel that you you, you got any other like a similar situation at all where you, you scored a lucky break I don't think I was fighting anybody that didn't submit orders. Um, I guess the luckiest break, I, if you can consider it a break, was that North Carolina and I came to peaceful terms fairly early on in the game and were able to completely uh, demilitarize our border. And that allowed me to have units elsewhere and to really expand fast. Mm-hmm. For me, I would... The Arkansas thing. I mean, I'm looking right now at 2028, so right around where we just were. And if you look at the Kentucky position then, I mean, I had the core of Kentucky centers and then a couple of other centers in northern Indiana and one in Virginia and one in Illinois. Like I, there was also, there was a lot of Arkansas in my central territory and some Illinois as well. So the fact that I was able to somehow get out of that and then get a little bit of Tennessee back and start expanding again was was key could have easily gone the other way yeah geez you were getting smashed then weren't you (laughs) i really was yes arkansas just didn't really build on the collection of centers they had in tennessee and take me over Hmm. doc um i didn't really have much kind of luck in that way um there was a point where idaho had an nmr or a couple but that was more of a disadvantage because they had been an ally and they were acting as a buffer against Hawaii. Oh. Um, after a couple NMRs, I 
couldn't risk that and and moved in so i did benefit from that but um ultimately it would have been better for me if idaho had stayed in no worries and then yeah other than that um i mean i think the the biggest uh thing for me was settling into uh peace with with um i think it was wyoming who uh, we'd bounced around a lot early in the game um and actually going back to the earlier question about what might have been different with press instead of gunboat there was a long stretch of the game where wyoming and i were having to uh counter against kentucky against texas against hawaii and we were doing that without the communication uh, i thought we generally did a pretty good job but if we'd been able to talk about it uh we m- definitely would have been able to have a stronger border and maybe could have could have hung on cool um Kainer, i've got no more questions how about you no just uh, congratulations to you guys for making it right through to the very end it's a solid solid effort two years or almost two years um yeah no well done guys yeah Thank well you. done on those that survived <laughs> congrats Ambie. that's just a fantastic <laughs> win and i'll say too while i'm here congrats to you and painter on on the podcast i know you've gone over 50 episodes um it's a lot of fun thanks for doing it no worries. it's a pleasure okay thanks guys it's been wonderful um we'll wrap it up now and um, yeah, look, just um, Kane is very, very happy because this is now the last time I have to talk about this game. Uh, <laughs> Not the last time you'll talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm, no, I'm, it's been a joy. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you all. <laughs> Thank you. See ya. Bye. Thank right, you. Bye. And we're back. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, fuck, Silverwood. There we go. Oh, <laughs> caused my dog to bark. <laughs> what, what sort of dog is it, Ambie? Oh, it's a Legata Romanolo. Oh, God. I have no idea what sort of dog that is. So if you go to Google and just Google Legato, L-A-G-O-T-T-O, Romanolo, I don't know how the hell he's pronounced that. Basically, it's it's an Italian breed. Um we got it for a few good reasons, basically all from my wife's perspective. Um, it looks cute. Uh, it doesn't shed any hair. It doesn't need any grooming. It doesn't need much walking. Um, and it doesn't provide any allergies. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's the most like carefree, maintenance-free dog you can worry about. Um, it does bark a lot, though, because uh, it's basically it's a, it's a guard dog. Um, but the, 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 the genealogy of it is it goes all the way back to uh, it was a common dog in the Roman with the Romans and prior to that the Etruscans. Oh. Um, so uh, it's like literally there's, there's all these existing mosaics and, and everything like that that actually has this particular breed in it from the Roman period um, and, and other times. But um, yeah, it's, it's actually like the precursor or like the great, 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 great granddaddy, so to speak, of like pretty much every single water dog, gun dog, you know, spaniel, all those type of things. That's where its lineage eventually came back to. Yeah. Well, to my eyes, it kind of looks like a smaller, little bit more scruffier um, poodle. 
Yeah, everyone kind of. It looks like one of those oodle dogs, you know, which has been yeah. crossbred with a poodle and something else. Yeah. But no, it's, but, a, it's a thing on itself. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a very curly-haired dog. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, back to the um, back to the interview. How did you go? How did you? How did you enjoy that? Um, it was good. I think at the start I was a little bit too domineering the conversation, but then let, we let it kind of go. And at that point, I think that's when the interview started getting quite good. Yeah. Enough about me gloating about my win, but trying to do it magnanimously. Um, it was kind of more interesting to kind of get the the, the views from the other guys. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, no, none of my shit. <laughs> oh, I've heard enough of it. <laughs> it's been <laughs> no, um, but no, no. I, I, I particularly appreciated perspectives of the board from different players, especially where they're kind of location-wise. You know, so like the perspective of the board from the south versus the central versus you know the northwest. Yep. Um, as opposed to hearing most of what I knew about this game from your perspective in the northeast. Yep. Yep. So that I, I valued a lot. And and look again I, I mentioned it when we did the interview but um, I I am disappointed that uh, Dr. Recommended didn't make it in to the, the survivalist because and that's an interesting thing I I thought much the same way you did and uh, obviously he did as well that provided you actually even if you got you lost at the end provided that the game won in the solo, you still came through as if they survived, even though technically you had no supply centres. So, yeah, look, um, it, it used to be that way. Um, yeah, the rules have changed within, VDIP, within the code. It's a recent also. change in the coding, perhaps. Um, Maybe with the more recent WebDIP code that came across the upgrade. Yeah, I think I think that might be the, the difference in that space here. But it used to be. It used to be the way that, you know, if they died on that end, they would be given a survive. Anyway, so there you go. The good thing now, Kana, we don't have to talk about this game ever, ever again. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and and the other thing, of course, which you know, as as we've talked about before, is I, I kind of had said, oh, well, maybe I won't be playing at VDIP much, you know. So I kind of keep my rank and everything like that. I noticed, I checked this morning, my rank has already dropped one spot, so some, some other bastard's kind of moved in on me. Oh, really? <laughs> so now I'm down to like seventh or something like that. Oh, no. <laughs> but I do, I, I, I have a, a solution or a cunning plan to allow me to continue playing at VDIP without jeopardising my ranking too much. So oh. I have... I have put out a, a request on the fo- on the um, on the well, I was going to say formal. That's not it. What is it called? The forum, um, basically for a game for all players who've got two thousand plus VDIP points. Uh, if they're interested in playing a big hitters game, and um, so it'll be like an invitation only game, password protected or whatever, uh, provided people want to play. And um, yeah, so that way we can kind of. Still trade VDIP points between ourselves, but it's not going to make such a massive impact. Like if hypothetically someone turns up and just started, and they're on a thousand, and they solo the board, and we all kind of take you know a big massive hit. So, are you talking about points? Or are you talking about ranking? Well, that's a good point. I'm not quite sure how it all works. So the okay, so if I go into the Hall of Fame at the moment within VDIP. Mm-hmm. And it's got like the points for all time and say active last six months. 
So an active six months, I'm coming sixth on 2,378. So basically, it's whoever, whatever these point things are that goes down to about the 2,000 mark. So basically, the Desert Fox up. Yeah, gotcha. Because for a while there, there used to be two different separate um, ranking systems. I think there's still is. The other of, no, you got Hall of Fame.php, and then you've yeah. got the HOF.php. Ah, okay. And um, the HOF.php shows. Uh, shows the all-time ranking in V V point ranking. So, so essentially, you're challenging every the top twenty-three of the the website. Is that what you're doing? Um. Yes, pretty much. Yep. I think you're looking at the. Oh, now if you're doing it on um, last six months worth of well, sorry. I mean, happy for anyone who's been there who hasn't turned up for six months to still play, but I doubt they're going to turn up. Yeah, so you're essentially, okay, so it's the top 18 of the site that you're challenging. Yeah. Okay. What sort of game? Um, I don't know. I've kind of said, look, you know, depending on how many people are interested, that'll probably, the number of players will guide what um, what variant options we've got and then we'll put it out to there and then we'll ask them whether they want to do anonymous or whatever and I assume they probably will and, yeah, then we'll have a game. Ooh, Trade okay. some points between ourselves. And you won't be invited, Kana, because you don't have enough points, mate. Yeah, no, I'm down. I'm down on one thousand two hundred and forty-four points at the moment. I've got to keep scrolling. Wait a sec. You're not. How do I get beyond a hundred? Well, you can't. I can see it. You can't. Oh, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, what are you coming at the moment? Uh, coming in at two hundred and fifteenth. Okay. Pretty shitty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got a couple of games on at the moment that you've got a, a half-decent chance to maybe, you know, take a big jump or two. Yeah, potentially. If I care too much about the um, Hall of Fame, you know, I'm, oh, I'm not a big... I'm not a sucker as as you are, as the Trace chasing that, you know. Sucker? <laughs> yeah, I mean, every time you just... What's my ranking? What's my ranking? <laughs> not... Okay, probably is every time, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. So talking about my ranking, so even though it went down just recently, I did get a bit of a a, a bit of an uptick because one of my games literally finished today. Oh, this is the um, Cry God for Harry game, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I was surprised it finished up, not because cause it was basically it was heading towards the situation that all the um, the larger players on the board had agreed to, which was the elimination of the smaller players, basically anyone under... 20 supply centers was cut out um but then uh ccr who was playing the great horde when i woke up this morning and checked it and i thought oh shit this game's still going because i need to put in my draw and he like had posted something within the um the uh public press what did he say he said um now uh, now let's going up on hey mate and up for blah 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 blah. what did he say then um Hey, noble councillors of the great card of too many titles. That's enough wine. Do you sow this? Remember this guy whenever he was, when CCR was talking, it was hard to understand what he was actually saying. Yeah. Um, uh, do you sow this every Easter? Hang the Slavian today. Oh, that was yesterday's sacrifice. I pick you. Finger pointed to you. Now you freeze and beg for your life. <laughs> 
And he's, it was like, what's going on? He's, is he kind of continuing to play or what's the deal? And both he and the Teutonic Order hadn't put in draw commands. And I thought, oh, fuck, we're going to have to keep playing this. <laughs> but then, you know, within about an hour or two, both of them are put in draws and the game all wrapped up. So um, I can now actually officially talk about what player I was because it was anonymous and I was England. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was this one. I was Genoa. I, I jumped in just to just to start the game, really, because that was one of the last ones that was selected. This is yep. a choose-your-own-country game, and I was like, well, you know, you'd need one or two more players to pick a country, and Genoa was one of the last ones. No one wanted it, so I just jumped in on it. I didn't you were kind of doing country. okay up until the point that Great Hall decided to stab you. Oh... I forget what it was. Like I, I pretty much just threw my units, threw my supply centres to the Great Horde at the end. Um, I think I just wanted out. I forget yeah. the reasons why. It was, yeah. But, um, no, congratulations to CCR. I, I reckon he'll, he'll have to let us know, but you got to ask him, like, did he put did he put it through, like, a couple of layers of Google Translation or something whenever he wrote messages? Because, you know, he had that stilted kind of, Message structure. I don't. Pretty sure that's not how he writes, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. We probably have to go back and and check. Sorry, we're also recording when everyone decides this is a good time to go for their government-sanctioned walk and and taking their dogs for a walk, and that's why the dog keeps barking. I don't know if you're hearing it at all, Kana. I'm hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. So the listeners are hearing it too. Um. But yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, and, and you know, we've got no real way of knowing apart from asking him. You know, uh, is <laughs> what did you do? But um, yeah, so I was really happy the game kind of came to it came to an end with the um, the last oh, couple of weeks. Basically, a decision had been made by TMSN, myself, and France to um, turn on our respective allies, uh, Morocco, uh, Aragon, and Portugal down in that area and kill them. And both the Teutonic Knights and uh, Golden Horde surprisingly killed off the Golden Horde's um, uh, vassal state, which was Lithuania. So um, I was actually very surprised at that because earlier on Golden Horde was quite determined to include his uh, vassal state in the draw, even though the vassal state only had about two supply centres. So... um, No, it was was good. And looking at the board... And I... You you knew from our conversations off tape that you know I was England, yeah. But um, because you oh once once you were out of the game, but um, and I could tell you these things, but I kind of created the game in the first place and deliberately called it Cry God for Harry because I wanted to have the game where I chose England and to recreate that moment in Henry the Fifth, where basically you know England's at war with France and you know ravaging and on a chevorse destroying everything in the back of France. And the weird part was, as a as an actual, um, as an ally, um, France was fantastic to play with. And I kind of thought about stabbing him at one stage, but he was so good, I <laughs> stuck with him the whole way. We, so France was played by um, Mac, which is M-A-K, all in capitals. Yep. I don't recall playing with Mac before, but... Um, he was a he was a great ally. Fantastic. So, talk me there's through. A the, 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 there was one stage there where 
it was Fortress Switzerland, I remember. Like, yeah, so yeah, it, so T- Tenteno, who was for Switzerland, played the same game for quite a long period of time too. So yes. um, talk me through kind of, what was happening in the middle. <laughs> so, so he kind of was like, if you'd imagine, it's like a a very long. If anyone you go go check the map, but if you can't, it's like a long elongated square, which is like a, a little. I don't know, like a queue with a, a tail at the end going down into the parts of, of um, northern Italy down towards Siena and Florence. But um, he pretty much just like had everyone all around him with with units support holding and he was all on their border support holding. And it was one of those moments where like nobody was prepared to blink and actually stab him or he wasn't prepared to stab anybody else. And um, because the way that the alliance systems were early to mid game were very uh, very much in flux you know what yeah. I mean yeah and um, there were some things which were very clear to me like Bavaria or Bavaria was very much tied to um, uh, Austria Mamluks were very much tied through to Golden Horde I think it was pretty clear that uh, Aragon and Castile and Portugal were all tied together Um France and myself were very much tied together, although I had this on-again, off-again, love-hate relationship for ages with um, Norway, who I just continued to incessantly stab. And actually, I should probably check who Norway was. I was Goldfinger. (laughs) Poor Goldie. (laughs) So, like... And the same thing with Scotland. I kind of end up kind of killing him off early on. Steampunk Shogun, there you go. So, um, but no, that whole area around Switzerland was just like everyone was, no one, no one was prepared to stab anybody. And the same thing also was going on with Teutonic Knights because there was various talk at some stages, um, you know, with Bavaria about attacking the Teutonic Order. Um, I wasn't prepared to do it unless I kind of was sure that Switzerland was going to join in and not join up with the Teutons, um, you know. At the same time, we were trying to, I was trying to juggle Norway at the time and Sweden at the time in the north in Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and always, always having the Golden Horde pushing more and more on everybody's borders. So he ended up bordering me in uh, what, what we nowadays consider as the, the top half of, of um, uh, Sweden, and um, whilst I was kind of in the bottom half of Sweden, the bottom half of Norway, and probably that top of Norway, he owned a chunk of another bit was a, a DMZ area. Mm. I wonder what brought the Golden Horde to agree to a draw because, you know, I'm kind of looking at it and he's kind of ground to a halt in the north because you've got a whole heap of English fleets floating around there. Yeah, I pretty much wanted to try to lock him up because I knew that that area there was much the same. In my mind, that was the same type of behaviour in undivided states around that area around Alaska and the north in the Barents Sea and uh, the same situation down around the Straits of Florida area. You know, it was like a very tight uh, concentration of space and provided you could create a... um, a bottle stop to go in that top of that bottleneck, you could prevent somebody breaking out. Um, and as part of my negotiations, once I knew and could see that Golden Horde were putting 
armies up in the top half around um, KOL and uh, FNM, so basically the top of uh, Russia and modern-day Russia and the top of modern-day Norway. I knew that was relatively safe and he couldn't break. He'd never, Even if he kind of got fleets there, he wouldn't be able to break out. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and once the wheeling and dealing started happening in the south for um, Golden Horde's ally, which is the Mamluks, um, around what we were going to do with killing off Morocco, the fact that there was a stalemate that he successfully did exactly the same thing that I did to Golden Horde, he did in reverse to me uh, down around that whole, um, whatever that CGH area is, whatever that is. CGH. So basically that's the area that is like the Red Sea, but most of the units actually show themselves oh, in the very yeah, okay, yeah. southwest corner. South. The Canaries, yeah. Okay. Just south of the Canary Islands, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see that now. That connection annoys me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. At one stage, I was, and actually, I, I tried to negotiate with Mamluks around, look, here's what, okay, uh, my interest, my at the time, and which was kind of half true, um, I was happy to actually, um, you know, stab him and try to get into the Red Sea and start, running around the back of Egypt and, and the Holy Land and, and burning around there. Because that was one thing I was, at one stage I was really keen to do that as, as England. I thought, well, if I can't destroy France, what's the next best thing to do in, in medieval England? Holy Crusade. Yeah, you've got cru- yeah. <laughs> to go take Jerusalem. So, <laughs> um, so um, that wasn't possible. And then I said, okay, well, maybe instead what we can do is um, if, if you can kind of just just let me into EDJ, which is that little area down the bottom of Africa, so I can start moving armies over the desert to start invading TMCN um, in his rear or Morocco in his rear at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, it didn't work out that way. We ended up kind of striking a deal with TMCN and, and you know, destroying Morocco and, and Portugal and, and um, Aragon. Mm, okay. Oh, anyway. very good. Yeah, I can I can see the balance now. Like, it, it, yeah, I can see where it's all balanced. Yeah, I, you could probably pick up a couple of supply centers here and there, but nothing really earth-shattering unless alliances change. Hey. Well, yeah. So, so like as I said before, once once I kind of woke up this morning and saw the Teutonic Order and Golden Horde hadn't put in their um, their draw commands, I started rallying the troops. Um, you know, trying to say to the Teutons, hey, go, are, you, are you asleep or whatever like that? Just, you know, put in your drawer and if, if you don't, that's cool. But, you know, we yeah. need to start ganging up on, on Golden Horde. I did the same with Bavaria. Started reaching out to Mamluk saying, look, hey, you're obviously allied with Golden Horde. Can you kind of tell him? Uh, he kind of agreed that we would draw it now. And you know, if that didn't work out, then the idea was to start trying to peel him off as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, there was also a push at one stage, probably about two or three turns prior to their draw where Golden Horde was suggesting to cut out uh, the players that were, I think, in the low 20s. And I ended up saying, look, nah, because basically if I did that, it was going to take out primarily Bavaria and Austria, which would just open up the floodgates to um, the Mamluks and the Golden Horde to then start smashing in. And, And I had no way to kind of get through to start countering them. Yeah, difficult to really... Yeah, once 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 motions gets really underway in that central area, 
if there's a collapsing state, that would be quite tricky to prop up any sort of defensive line in that sort of alpine region, I would imagine, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's all good. So that game's all over and done with now too. So that's excellent. Hey, I'm um, out of my drink. How about you? Um, I just started another one whilst you were talking, actually. Oh, okay. There you go. Mm. Well, um, I might go grab another beer. Can we pause it for a sec? Sounds good. Okay. Yep. Okay, and we're back. I've got my, got my new beer. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> That's a sad clink. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I say, oh, I got a tinny. <laughs> Socially distanced clunk. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so there we go. Enough of that one. Um, Are you going to join another large game, Andy? Well, I don't know. It depends on what happens with this, you know, big hitters game. Oh, no, I'm talking about like one of these divided states or, um, you know, Europa or Venazio. Yeah, look, to be perfectly honest, I actually have played quite a lot of big games of recent times. Um, Like, I've played about four or five Europa games, about three or four, maybe four um, Divided States games, and um, I'm happy to kind of have a break from those. Honestly, if if a brand new variant came along, a big variant again, yeah, I'd I'd be up for that. I'd definitely do that. Mm Mm-hmm. and, and it's not just the, the new big variants. I mean, some of those variants you talked about last episode that are in, in um, development, that look quite interesting. So, you know, I may be tempted to kind of play those. So, um, Sure. Yeah. So um, do we want to talk about a couple of your games at the moment? Oh, uh, yeah. Which one would you like to talk about? Um, well, I've got two, but I think they're both kind of reaching a point now that – the number of players is starting to diminish in both of them. So maybe it's a good idea to kind of keep it, because they're both anonymous games, because I'm not in it, I actually know who's who. Uh, we keep it relatively vague and maybe just look at the board as a whole and how things are going. Do you want to start with EU4? Yeah, okay, let's open that one up. Rightio, so this one. So, shall we go from, like, um, top... You know, top top left to bottom right type of area. So Denmark is doing very very well in this game. I think Denmark's in the lead based on supply centres. Yeah, Denmark's currently in the lead on this one. Um, he, she. Um, well, that's, okay. So, <laughs> well, let's keep it with. Okay, we know full well that there are plenty of female. Well, plenty. There are a number of female diplomacy players, um, but. Within the online space, everyone seems to be referred to as he. So, anyway, okay. Um, they, they, Denmark. Um, Denmark has just finished taking over Bohemia. Um, so he's walked through that um, oh, yeah. central power, um, and he's got this big, long, demilitarized border with Savoy. Mm-hmm. And he's falling into conflict with um, Moscow, which is this big. Um, is that Moscow or the Golden Horde? That's Moscow. Oh, Muscovy! Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 I've actually never uh, seen Muscovy do well. Normally, it's the Golden Horde, but they both look the same, and they're both roughly in the same location. 
Similar colour, yeah. Yeah, similar colour. Um, yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Like, Denmark's got a whole heap of builds. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see um, if he makes a big set of builds along the Savoy border and goes for that. He's also been squeezing out the Teutonic Order, hasn't he? Yeah, between him and um, Moscow, he's been squeezing the the Teutons. So um, Denmark and Moscow, they are, you know, at at each other. So um, I'm wondering whether... Hungary jumps into that as well just to kind of just continue to chew him up or whether Hungary just stays on the fence. I don't, I don't know what how, how that might go because some of those centres are open at the moment. Yeah, to Hungary. Um, but I suppose look, in theory then the Teutons could move into some of Hungary's ones, so who knows? Yeah, it, it does look, because this is in build phases at the moment, um, but it does look to my eyes that Hungary is also in a bit of a, pitched naval battle against Muscovy in the Black Sea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's kind of progressed a little bit more from where it used to be. I think um, Hungary's made a little bit more gains there since last time I checked that board. Maybe. Yeah, from from memory. Yeah, um, I think it, yeah. you might be right. Um, it's been a while since I looked in that area. But, I think um, Muscovy's only friend there is Quara Quanlu. Um, yep. to his south, who is currently being invaded by what looks like Austria and Tunis. Austria? 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 Hungary. 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 <laughs> and Tunis. Austria is the white one. Yeah. No. I think Austria Hungary. is dead now. <laughs> yeah, Austria is well and truly dead. Yeah. Hungary um, and Tunis, yeah. Yeah. And they're doing pretty good on that. I think some of those moves from uh, Tunis is going to make a big impact there. He seems to be starting to get behind his lines with that army in ARQ now. That can start creating a bit of problems. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, Quaraquan Lu's in a bit of trouble. Um, And And by the way, bonus points on pronouncing that, because I wouldn't know how to pronounce that. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a guess. Um, sounds good. You sound like you, you're saying it with conviction, so I believed you. On to Tunis. He's been throwing love towards Hungary for some time. Yep, yep I can see that. Um, Hungary seems to have been moving units so they don't necessarily – the love doesn't stick, but, you know, the love's clear. Yeah, so the support's being there. Um, not so much – sending support to Savoy, but has been for a while in a pitched battle against Castile, which is the last remaining Iberian power. Um, Now, Tuna sort of started that step. At that point, um, Castile was all the way up into England, um, and then Tuna stabbed Castile, um, which allowed for Denmark and Savoy to really make some quick gains at um, Tunis's expense, which, you know, Tunis has managed to, you know, gain a chunk of territories in Africa, but not much further than Gibraltar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, and just a couple of Mediterranean islands. So most actually, all the Mediterranean islands. But apart um, from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got all the all of them. Yeah, he has too. Yeah, yeah. So he's got Cyprus, Crete, 
Sicily, Corsica. Sardinia. Sardinia, yep. And the Balearic Islands. Balearic. And and the uh, the Atlantic item islands too, you know the oh, after the Canaries and everything, Canaries and the Azores. Yeah, Azores <laughs> in this? No, you don't actually see the Azores. Uh, what's oh, mad? Mad. mad. Madeira. Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, and Djibouti, of course. Djibouti, love that name. How about that? I, I, yeah, okay, yeah. You reckon? No, no, Djibouti's not on the map. Djibouti's down near the Horn of Africa. Oh, what's JG? What's DJB then? What's that? DJB, where's that? Um, just south of Tunis. South of Tunis. Oh, whatever that is, yeah, I don't know. Some random yeah. island. No, but Djibouti's down near Ethiopia and whatever. Yep. Well, I guess the last... Major power on the board on this one's uh, Savoy, who's um, who's, who's who, who looks like he's he's made a. It looks like he's come up to it to to where Hungary kind of come up to come up to them, and they've just sort of gone, okay, let's not move any further against each other here, and just sort of hold our units on that line because there's various um, other colour tints in between the two bits there that. What wasn't um, Milan? There was a little bit of Milan that was there last time, or has that been squeezed out now? Yeah, Milan's been squeezed remember. out between Savoy and Hungary there. So, um, yeah, it looks like they're busy sending support holds to each other. So, yep. um, And Savoy's busily heading down towards taking out that last bits of Castile. Yep. But I reckon you were right earlier on. Uh, it really comes down to what Denmark is going to do with its bills. If I was Denmark at the moment, I would be going. <laughs> I'd be a, a cheeky bastard, and I would be um, putting a smack bang on all those border with um, Savoy, and I'd yeah, be absolutely. stabbing Savoy at this point of time. Absolutely, yeah, that's exactly. Because um, he's what? got how many builds? About seven. Eight builds. Eight, yeah, quite a few anyway. So. Hmm, watch this space. This one's got a few more game years to play out. Um, is it, but there, having said that, there's only a couple of players in there who haven't yet put in draw orders. So, um, yeah, wait and, wait and see. Is it um, – oh, so draws are, are publicly seen, are they? Oh, they on the – they should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's only um, Savoy, Hungary and Denmark holding out at the moment on that. If that's yep. the case. Yep. So that's good. So um, obviously with that small number of players, I'm kind of guessing that you're, you know, in contention in one form or another rather than, say, down to one supply centre. So let's let's hope that keeps rolling on. Um, Silent Europe, you're also in this game too, aren't you? I think I was originally in this game... Zonks ago, wasn't I? Was I? Yeah, you, or you were Tunis. TMCN yep. or someone? Yeah, Tunis. Tunis yeah, TMCN's yeah, yeah. kind of doing quite well. Um, yeah. And again, maybe with that, this one's kind of got a number of well-positioned players, so we don't want to kind of give out too much of an idea of uh, who's who and what you're playing. So um, should we do something similar for this one? Because I'm really sure. amazed at 
some of the alliances in this game um, and how well they're working. Um, considering that it's a... Um, gunboat, isn't it? It's a gunboat. I think, yeah, it, it, it's actually fascinating to see how strong um, some of these, <laughs> some of them, have, you know, like like Milan and Pat and the Popes, mm-hmm. you know, um, the papacy. I find that fascinating how Milan hasn't just, you know, taken the papacy's supply centres. Um, this, but I find it actually, thing- if I can just take one second, so talking about both the, the papacy and also Switzerland, this reminds me of that bloody Cry God for Harry game, that area there, like they're all just like, no one's attacking anyone from either of those players, and they're all just in there throwing support holds, you know, within their own area, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, nobody's <laughs> doing anything in that space. Yeah, but, with, um, with this one, can you? Yep. I just, I just actually want to draw your attention back to a few. Um, oh, that little area of the Papacy, all around Italy, where they still got these no, supply no. centres in the middle of nowhere with no units around them. Yeah, exactly. Like, how is that happening? Like, papacy doesn't need to exist for Milan to be safe and sound, but Mm -hmm. there it is, yeah? There you go. There you go. The other other interesting, the other other couple of interesting um, little alliances, um, Hungary and Milan, again. Milan seems to be really just wanting to keep people alive in my eyes. Um, Milan's got the most supply centres, hasn't it? Yeah, he does, yeah. Um, and then you've got this other interesting alliance going on between the Teutons and Sweden, mm-hmm. which is uh, <laughs> kind of interesting. <laughs> well, this is kind of like what you mentioned before, which I find just as interesting in a gunboat game. They seem to be working well together in that whole uh, North Sea region, starting to slowly pull apart what we would consider to be the British Isles, but it's actually notionally owned by you know, TMCN from North Africa. Mm-hmm. Actually, can, can, can I get you to go back to, um, just firstly back to... Autumn... Autumn 1590. Okay, I'll have to bring up the archive of the maps... 1590, well, that's a long time ago. Pause. Okay, almost there. Yep. And then have a yep. look. Have a look at the bottom right-hand corner. Oh, what happened to the Ottomans? <laughs> yeah, but, but, but even then, oh, no, have in a look the at Medina. as well? Have a look at Medina. Yeah, no, no, no. But even further, look just down there, next to the um, next to the Red Sea. Yeah, who the, who's that? Is that England? That's Scotland. That's Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, you know, uh, so he um, he obviously wanted to try and invade Jerusalem, <laughs> much the same as uh, what you you were hoping. Um, anyway. So what happened to him? Oh, he, basically, he did he. What happened? He survived? No, he got. No, no, he got he got taken out. But if you go back to let's say, um, shame. I don't <laughs> it's know. Funny, <it's>, though. <laughs> yeah. 
That's what I was trying to do, like plonk myself there and start, you know, <laughs> flanking over that way towards Damascus and Jerusalem. <laughs> but here's, here's the biggest difference in the map. You go back to autumn 1540. Okay. Oh, it's a long way back. Spring 1550. Autumn 1540, okay. Yeah, this is when, like, Scotland is the preeminent power. Exactly. So All the British Isles, all of the low countries, 80% of France, half of the Iberian Peninsula, and all of Iceland and Norway. <laughs> to go from that just to being one supply centre in the middle of the, the desert off the Red Sea. <laughs> in how long? I 30 yep. years. Yep. And these game years, though, each game year is actually five years, isn't it? So that's only six game years. Is that yeah, right? So it was a, yep. So it was a massive collapse in that in that space. Um, you look at the size of Novgorod, gone. Ottomans, gone. The Mamluks, all the way up to Novgorod, that's, is that the green yeah. one? Yeah, the green one. Yeah, they were one. massive as well. Yep. <sighs> anyway, so a lot's changed in this particular game. Um, yeah, I just wanted to bring you, you, you to the um, yeah to, to the history to, to see some of that 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 backstory as to you know if you just flick between the two, you know, turn thirty seven to turn sixty three. I mean, the the map's hardly recognisable, really. I think later on, once this game finishes, I'd love to see, um, regardless of how you go in this one, I'd love to see this one um, converted into a YouTube video with progress over time as an animation. When yeah. you see those type of players just doing so well, they're then collapsing. And, and this, again, comes down, I know we've talked about this a few times before, but with these sea lane massive map um, variants, the, uh, the advantage of flanking behind people's rear lines to then start cannibalising them from behind um, is just pays wonders. <laughs> well, that's what your mate, um, Talim, said. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, managed to do there. So um, there's this, okay, going around, like there's, there's this massive sea battle happening, sort of, how would you say it, Iceland through the Faroe Islands, tip of Scotland, and then sort of across the Doggerel Sea to, um, you know, uh, sort of Amsterdam, Holland area. Um, yeah. And it's just this, this massive fleet battle occurring to what seems to me like to prevent any further northern movement from that um, Tlem Sem's fleets passed into, you know, the, you know, the, the northern reaches yep. essentially by Sweden and um and who's that that's oh in Shetland Islands the Teutons Teutonic Knights have got the Shetland Islands there too. <laughs> so, I mean that's that's another <laughs> interesting thing. Anyway. Um who else is in this one? Um there's Switzerland, who's like yeah, Fortress yeah. Switzerland, who's north of Milan, who's um just hasn't really changed much in, in many, many turns. Um, 
And then there's Hungary, which is just sort of holding in there. He could be swallowed up in a second by Milan, but not not mm. happening there. So I guess this one, I'm thinking, is getting close to the end. There just needs to be some stalemate lines created in the North Sea before some countries are going to hit the draw button, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just a case of who needs to get knocked out before people are comfortable with hitting the draw, you know what I mean? So I think, you know, it makes perfect sense that, you know, you expect that the Ottomans are going to get knocked out with only two supply centres left over. Um, who else could be bumped off pretty quickly that maybe people are holding out on? That's Mamluks, it, isn't it? Probably. Everyone else is... The Mamluks? What's left of the Mamluks? Oh, do they actually have a supply centre? They've just got like a fleet and Sidon, isn't it? No, they've got one supply centre. Oh, where? Sweden's about to take it by the looks of it, to the right, to the east. Okay. To to Bez, to Bets. Oh yeah, TBZ, yeah, yeah, yeah. TBZ, yeah. Yeah, I think once that's gone, it's um, yeah. So get rid of Mamluks, get rid of Ottomans, and then see if people start changing their draw commands. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Because otherwise, you know, there's probably a chance that maybe Milan will then, you know, potentially take out Hungary. That's one other option. But Hungary's kind of keeping the Teutons out of breaching that um, that flank, I suppose, for uh, for Milan. I mean, effect- effectively, the Hungarians are doing the the Milanese dirty work against the Teutons. There seems to be, yeah, mm. um, yeah. So if I was Milan, I'd be looking at well, how many supply centres do I need for a win, and can I get them by stabbing? Because that's essentially what he's got to do. Because um, there's not going to be a lot of traction gain for Milan outside of stabbing allies. Yeah. Yeah. How many is he on? He's on 75. He's still a long way from a solo. Long way. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a double in size. And so, you know, where would you do it? Would you, I don't know, if I was Milan, I'd be looking at, Tlemcen, perhaps, as as a given that he's you know heavily engaged in the north, it'd be really hard for Tlemcen to pull troops back. Um, whereas a stab on say Hungary or Switzerland, yeah, you get a couple of quick picks, but you're not going to get that many sort of units before they can pull their units back to to try and defend against you. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think um, if Milan can shut the gate on Teutons and Sweden from flanking down the Caucasus and you know further down into that Arabian area, if they can kind of just shut down that area so that it almost maintains that um, you know, a, a corridor around the, the Western Med, that would give Milan the chance to start pumping fleets that are currently over in the eastern med west to then take out Tiemsen. I agree. I think that's the logical way. Milan would probably do that first rather than take out Hungary, eat as much of Tiemsen as it can, and then it would actually be in striking distance to then take out Hungary. And at that point, yeah, it could we- probably also have the. It could probably quite easily build up a 
uh, a capacity, uh, not capacity, capability to, well, first off, we can grab those three papacy supply centres in Italy, no problems at all, and probably smash into the, the south of the papacy in modern-day France around that whole, um, um, you know, uh, Avignon type of Lyon area. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, I think if I was Milan, that's what I'd be thinking about. So, um, don't know if you're Milan or not, Kana, but um, maybe I do. Who knows? But <laughs> that's the way I'd approach things if I was Milan. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that one. Um, I hear you playing a game over at Playdip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm in uh, the Order of the Dragon game, which I think we touched on briefly last time. Um, the game is a non-anonymous game, so I'm playing uh, the Golden Horde, and it's a bit of a, bit of a to be perfectly honest, a bit of a clusterfuck at the moment. The last set of moves it didn't work out for me the way I wanted, and this has got a lot to do with this game dynamic here, um, where it's not just your usual two-order thing going on. There is all sorts of bizarre rules so um, anyone that likes just the normal standard classic game you, you will not like this game at all because <laughs> apart from like a European map uh, that's about the, the and having two units that's about it because you've got um, neutrals which can be countries that you can marry and you know effectively then take them over as your um, vassal states you've got Thralls, which are kind of like notionally a vassal state, and you control the army to a certain extent, in the sense that you've got double the influence on those compared to anyone else trying to influence them, because this is the one game which has uh, diplomacy points in it that you can kind of use. Um, you can kind of marry other players with your heirs if you happen to have your capital captured and you don't have a surviving heir. Even if you've got a whole heap of supply centres and units, you're dead because <laughs> your dynasty's dead. And that's just happened to Burgundy uh, at the end of um, the last fall, uh, 1405, I think it was in the first game year, Burgundy was out of the game. So um, so what happens to their units? They just get turned into neutrals. Oh, okay, and then you can bid on them. Well, yeah, you can kind of then start using your diplomacy points to uh, influence, and it's the thing, you use diplomacy points to try to influence how these neutral units move or how thralls move, um, but they only move in the sense of they can't actually uh, properly move and attack and take a territory, but they can be used to effectively bounce somebody from entering a territory. And you can also support hold them if you want to try to use them to prop up a um, you know a defensive line or whatever like that. Oh, I've got a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. What's this broken love heart thing? Okay, so, so in this, look- <laughs> so in the most recent uh, map, um, there are two broken love hearts. One from yeah. me, and which was when I was attempting to have my. Heir in Sari, which is my uh, Golden Horde capital, I was trying to marry my heir off to the um, uh, the neutral, the thrall in uh, Argius, which is kind of like uh, I'd probably call it a little bit of southern day modern Romania. And um, so the broken love heart means I tried to marry my heir to them, but uh, it didn't work 
because um, the Ottomans uh, effectively took over uh, RG Argius because it had um, two units moving, one moving there and one supporting it. All right, so why did the one in Vilnius not work? Um, yes, yeah, so this was um, where uh, Lithuania and I had been talking and um, we had been talking about marrying our heirs together mm-hmm. uh, so that we could then convert Novgorod into a vassal state And um, because there's certain things you can and can't do. Which Actually, the unit placement in this game is really, really uh, can give you the shits. So let me give you an example. So if you kind of go to what is modern day, well, the Scandinavian countries, Okay, yeah. so, which I think, oh, fuck, what's it called off the top of my head? They're called the uh, Kalmar Union. Yep. Now, you can see that they're at the moment in, in 1410, uh, Kalmar Union has a fleet in Stockholm and um, a fleet in, uh, fuck, what's that called? Is that? Roskilde. Side? Rock, Rock Skyld or whatever? No, it's Roskilde. Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> okay, but <laughs> notice... So even though Lithuania currently has an army in Novgorod and Prussia and Riga is a neutral thrall, you can't build fleets in those locations. You can only build you can only build in your initial home supply centres, which for Lithuania is Vilnius and Kiev. So you can never so he can never build a fleet to start attacking Kalmar Union. And likewise, oh. if I manage to get there, I can never build a fleet to attack Kalmar Union. And the way that the there's no connection between Novgorod and Norway like you'd have normally in between St. Petersburg and in Norway in a, in a classic map. So the only connection into Stockholm, which is the supply centre, is directly via Finland or, say, Gulf of Bothnia or Baltic Sea. But because you can't build a fleet, you kind of can never pull it off. Because even if you've got an army in Finland, you can just get a stalemate between Finland and Stockholm. So part of the idea and what he was proposing to me was that we marry our heirs and basically that would then make Novgorod no longer one of his supply centres, but Novgorod would be its own country where we jointly control that country. And it can build a fleet. And it can then build a fleet. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. That makes sense. Except for the fact that I um I didn't kind of send I left the um, the groom jilted at the aisle and didn't <laughs> didn't send the bride. <laughs> do do you always have uh, an heir? Like you can have multiple heirs. So everyone starts with an heir, I think, from memory. My uh, my heir is actually down in Kirch, which is a thrall. So it's kind of like a notional supply centre that I've got, as I say, I've got double influence on. So when it comes to moving Kirch um, in its orders, you have to use diplomacy points, but my diplomacy points are worth double what anyone else puts on it. Huh. So if I put down one diplomacy point, it's worth two. Bet you wish you supported Kiev into the Black Sea then. I did try supporting it, but unfortunately um, the Ottomans put uh, must have put two diplomacy points on Kirch supporting it into, oh, sorry, yeah, to support it. So basically, it cancelled out my one, huh. which resulted because the whole idea was I'd convinced Lithuania to move to Kiev to, sorry, to move Kiev into the Black Sea. I'd support him, and then I would sneak in and take Kiev and stab him. Oh, Jesus. All right. Question. I've got another question. Mm. Who's that one in Krakow? 
So Krakow, that is um, that's Lithuania's thrall. Much the same way, it's the same as Mike Kirch one. So yeah. he doesn't directly so that, control it, but he uh, whenever he plonks a, a diplomacy point on it, it's worth two diplomacy points. Or if he puts two on it, it's worth four. Is that the same as the one in Brandenburg yep. and Rome? Yep. Okay. Right. How far into the game are you? We're only in the second game yet. Jeez. 14-10. Yeah, okay. And already so, one of them's gone. Burgundy's gone. Yep. So we're about to enter fall uh, in the second game year. Who killed Burgundy? Um, the uh, Nepalese. In they basically Dijon. moved into Dijon, which was Burgundy's capital, and uh, and captured it and captured which was undefended, I think, and. Uh, Captured it and captured the air, so it was all over. He was dead. Okay. And how do you know what is your capital? Uh, you got to check the rules. <laughs> Mine is. Um, I actually no. I think you can. No, you can't tell. I thought maybe the size of the dots was different. I thought that was. Oh, that's to be. Light. So yours is Sarai, is it? Yeah, or is it? Or is it? Yeah, I thought it was. I can't see the difference between the size of my dots and his dots and, and the other dots of mine. Oh, Maybe it's slightly bigger. I think it's slightly bigger. Slightly larger, but... Yeah, so that must be my capital, slightly larger one, because Vilnius, I think, is the capital for um, Lithuania. Okay. The Constantinople so is not the capital for the Ottomans. Ottomans, no, it's Amasya. Oh, okay. And Sivas is his thrall. Okay, so, oh, who's this crescent? That's um, the Mamluks. Mamluks, okay. yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh God, this is, this would do your head in, wouldn't it? It does. It's okay. a very complex game, but anyway, it's something different. Something your teeth into though. Okay, so you'd be. You'd be shitting bricks whenever you see an army next to an uns, like an undefended capital city, wouldn't it? Like the temptation would be huge. Like for instance, Bordeaux would be, you know, this 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 Spanish Castile would be really got her balls of steel to not defend Burgos, really, wouldn't he? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. But the fact that Bordeaux is a thrall, an English thrall, means that it can't actually take Burgos. Well, what's the point of a thrall? They just move around. They don't own anything. They can, no, so they can effectively support you. So yeah. Got, as I said, you've got double the, the um, diplomacy points on it so it can help. For example, if you were England and you had, I don't know, hypothetically like a a fleet in Bay of Biscay, a fleet in Irish Sea and an army somewhere, and you're going to convoy an army, you could then convoy into Reims or convoy it into Burgos, and obviously Bordeaux, you could then put your diplomacy points on to double support. Oh, okay. But they don't They don't actually own territory. They don't. They only own their own little area, and mm. you, notionally can, you notionally have strong influence over them. Right, but does that work with... Vassals, like the one that you're just trying to marry in Novgorod, say. 
Yeah, uh, I can't remember what the rule is. <laughs> Do you get to ch- okay? It's like forty pages of rules, but within that forty pages of rules, like half about twenty pages, it's just like you know, nice, interesting narrative. But there's probably about twenty pages of proper rules. Right. Okay. Oh, and very it's good. confusing because, for example, what? Okay, so you can marry off an heir to a uh, a. a, a Neutral, like as I try to do with Argus, in either spring or fall. But what the Lithuanians were trying to do with me to actually marry our heirs in spring into create a vassal state, you can't do that in spring, you can only do that in fall. So there's all these weird rules on weird rules. Okay, how come you've got two vassal? You've got two, um, two heirs. Two heirs. You have two heirs. You can only have. So it's like basically, it's almost like one of them's Prince Charles and the other one's Prince Andrew when he's not, you know, running around. Okay, so once you've married one off, can you make another one? Yep, that's what I already did. So basically, mine automatically came. My heir was automatically married already in Kirch, Uh but I was able to. So to create an heir, you need to have your uh, capital empty. With um, sorry, as in like, there's no air in your capital, and you can build that within the build phase for free. Yeah. Okay, so why isn't everyone just building airs? Fucked if I don't know. I mean, to me, that seems like a like a strategic thing, wouldn't it? Like you can build like one in Sarai, move it to Volga, and then build another one in Sarai, move it to Kazan, build another one, and just keep on doing that, and just send. Love interests all over Europe and eventually conquer the conquer it. Well, yeah, and that's kind of like the way things were back then, wasn't it? Yeah. And because yeah. the thing is, like, particularly if you get like, like hypothetically, like if if that situation with Lithuania and I happened in Novgorod and we turned that into a vassal state, that effectively we can both write orders for and coordinate that. Mm-hmm. But if you can imagine, like, if I wrote a set of... Okay, so if, if, if Lithuania and I are working well, we'd coordinate and write our orders to work correctly, right? But if things don't work out, I might write a totally separate set of orders that he writes and it cancel each other out, you know what I mean? Unless yeah. they're not supporting it or doing something like that. I, I don't know how... Well, maybe I don't even know how that works. So it's all very confusing. and that And I think actually that represents when you get a breakdown in the... Uh, dynastic marriage alliance system, you know what I mean? Mm. So it's, it's quite realistic for the time period. So why can't Kirch propose a marriage to Rennes or Paris for instance, or Ghent? Do you know? Uh, well, because Kirch is already married. He's married. So my Aaron Kirch is already married whoever owns Kirch. Why? That was, that's what makes it my thrall. Oh, okay, so he moves with whatever that fucking thing that fleet moves well the air never moves only the fleet moves but as I said the fleet can only move like Kirch can move to Crimea Crimea Sari Caucasia and Black Sea but when I say it moves it just effectively bounces it never actually leaves Kirch oh so if, if I if I kind of put if I plonk di- diplomacy points on it and said Kirch moved to Crimea and no one else moved to Crimea it just nothing happens. It goes to Crimea, and there's nothing there, and then just moves back to Kerch. 
Okay, so it's a way of buying a unit to support you in adjacent areas, is it? Yep. yep. Yeah, okay. So, okay. What happens if it's a thrall of someone else? Can you just, like, assassinate an heir? How does that work? Well, if you... If you um Let's say, let's hypothetically, let's say uh, Ottomans and Mamluks are, are working together uh, against me. Um, they managed to get like a fleet in the Black Sea and an army or something in Caucasia. Um, and for, or maybe they kind of also convoy into Crimea. I don't know. It's basically, they've got a numerical supremacy and then they take Kerch. They take Kerch and it stops being a thrall. To me, it becomes one of their supply centers, and the air gets captured and dies. Okay. But fortunately, I have another air at the moment, so I'm still I have another air, and I haven't lost my capital. So in that scenario, I would still be okay. I'd still be surviving. So wouldn't there be advantage of you, Sarai, making a marriage with Tiflis, for instance? Uh, well, yeah, quite possibly. Hmm. Only, what, Mamluks would see that as being a, an, an offensive... An anti-Mamluk. An anti-Mamluk yes. marriage. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. But how come there aren't love proposals going everywhere then? Like, Because I don't think people have worked out how to use their heirs properly. Ah. Or how to create more heirs and then use them. And when I mean, you kind of see stupid things like with what I did, <laughs> not working... And what Lithuania did not working, they probably go, yeah, we're not going to worry about that. It's obviously a fucking waste of point. Whatever, also waste your diplomacy you points on whatever you're doing. Yeah, right, okay. Although yeah. you apparently don't use diplomacy points when you're trying to marry two players together to create a vassal, but you do use diplomacy points if you're doing the Argus thing or whatever, or Tiflis thing. Oh, okay, so this is the this is the brainchild of Alex Ronke. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very confusing, but... Looks like it'd be a lot of fun when you get your head around the rules. I think, yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of like some of those um, other weird, not weird, very complex ones. So even like, for example, when we talked before to um, Baron von Powell about College of Cardinals, I think mm. that's similar in some of its complicated rule-based system and having diplomacy points and things like that. So, yeah. No, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a lovely-looking map. I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm looking... You know, it, it, I, I think it'd, it'd be a lot of fun to play, but I think you, you really... You, you might need to have to play it out a couple of times before you get a full grasp of the rules, you know? Yep. But, you know, that's all for the playtesting, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yep, very true. I think we've probably talked enough about all this stuff, Ken. Do you reckon we should wrap it up? Yeah, righto. I think it's getting close to dinner. And I think we've still actually got a... Uh, a Patreon thing we need to record. Oh, we do. <laughs> we do. Okay, all right. I bet well, I'll, I'll, we'll wrap it up now, I'll, and then I'll quickly check downstairs how far off our dinner is. If you want to check off with uh, Mrs. Kana how far dinner is. Uh, I'm uh, Ambie. Yeah, I'm Kana. Cheers. And cheers. See you next time. <laughs>